Hey guys, welcome back to the Christian Contrast Podcast, the podcast that we talk about the ways that Christ calls us to live differently than the world around us. I'm here with my good friend Troy, or Troy. I'm really excited because we're going to be talking about discipleship, and Troy's been in ministry for a long time, so I'm excited to see what we can learn. Troy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Love yeah. this topic about discipleship. Yeah, I'm excited to see what, uh, what you can share with us. My first question for you is, what do you think of when you think of the word discipleship? What comes to mind? I just think the, the first phrase that comes to mind is passing on. We need to pass this on, this faith that we have. It's not going to go to the next generation unless we purposely, intentionally pass it on. And so I just think of the call upon uh, us as Christians. It, it, we have this burden to pass it to the next generation. Mm. In fact, uh, I try to think of it this way, that we're one generation away from Christianity being extinct in any given culture, unless we pass it mm. on, unless we make disciples. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Um, how are the next generation going to flourish in the gospel as Christians if no one passes it on to them? Yeah. Like we're one generation. If it doesn't go to the next generation, it's over. And you can actually see this in different countries around the world. Places where the gospel at one time, the, the message of Christianity flourished. In fact, there's a lot of roots in these different countries um, where it's really seen now as a post-Christian culture. Mm. You think of some European places that um, it hasn't been passed to yeah. the next generation very well. There's other cultures that are flourishing right now because it's clearly being passed on. And this really brings to um, mind 2 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul is instructing young Timothy, uh, a young pastor in the ministry, and he says this. He says, In the things which you have heard from among me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay, so he's talking about passing it on. Mm -hmm. You notice there's four generations he mentions there. There's him. There's Timothy. Timothy passed on to other men who pass it on to others. Uh -huh. Like those four generations of Christianity taking place right there. Okay, that's a healthy church. And that's what we need to be gearing up for. We need to be passing it on. And when I think of how discipleship really works, it's time with people. You're walking alongside. It's life on life. You think of Jesus with the disciples. It wasn't like he just met with them for 30 minutes over coffee. He had life with them. He experienced life with them. He walked with them. They ate together. They went to, did ministry together, they visited different villages together, or even family. They even went to celebrations together. It was life together. And they got to witness Jesus. If you think about the whole rabbi system, that Jesus mm -hmm. was, was considered a rabbi. We don't think of him as a rabbi, but he was clearly considered a rabbi. Unconventional one, you know, I'll give you that. Right. But yet the idea is that a rabbi would have disciples, which Jesus clearly did. And the idea is that the disciples would learn from the teacher, the rabbi, and one day they would kind of graduate, you could say, and they would become teachers or rabbis themselves. They would be passing it on. So the rabbi would basically be raising up these disciples. That's our goal. So then these disciples would become the teachers that would then have their own disciples. And then it passes on. So the reason we're here 2,000 years later as Christians is because it's been passed on generation to generation to generation and now passed to us. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I even like that you said it's almost our, our burden to disciple others yeah. because that's the way in which Christianity continues throughout the years. And I think yeah. that um, biblically, maybe Jesus and you know the apostles are laying that out by saying the way that you do this is, like you said, through relationships, yeah. not necessarily 
uh, organized institution of academic research is the way that Christianity is going to get passed down. Yeah. But instead, it's going to be these relationships that that's mm-hmm. going to be the way in which uh, you grow someone else and share Christianity is by living life with them. Yeah. It made me think yeah. of this. This I was really amazed. We was I was doing church and, and ministry in Michigan. We were visiting this kind of this younger, vibrant church, mm. maybe 15 years old. We gave a tour of the campus. It was really beautiful, very focused on the arts and reaching their community. And I remember asking, I go, is, is any of the original staff still on staff who planted the church? And the, the pastor at times like thinking, he was like, he's like, no, no, I think, you know, I think uh, it's, it's been passed on to the next generation of of pastors, and it was amazing to see this church still still exists through a transition where nobody was there mm. who yeah, planted the church, huge. and yet it's still growing, it's still vibrant, uh-huh. and it's independent of some kind of strong organizational structure. It's dependent on people, uh, you know, li- living for the mission and discipling others and doing relationships together. It continues churches and continues Christianity. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I tend to think of it this way. That we should all have a Paul in our life, we should all have a Barnabas, and we all should have a Timothy. Hmm. The idea is that I should have Paul in my life, someone that I receive from, like a mentor. That I, But I have to purposely place that person there. I need to ask usually. I need to find this person. So I need to have a Paul, someone I receive from, mm-hmm. someone that's gone before. You know, they've... they've whether more years, you know, as far as just being a Christian. Then I need to have a partner, someone I can walk with. We're kind of on the even level, and we encourage one another, and there could be, a, you know, accountability. Um, and then I need to have a Timothy. Timothy represents mm-hmm. the next generation. It's someone else that I'm pouring into that's younger than me. Could be, maybe it could be a similar age, but maybe younger in the Lord as well. Right. So then coming alongside and helping them kind of grow and learn some of the lessons I learned years ago. Yeah, that's great. I think that's kind of we talked about this before, sometimes it goes against just kind of our culture in America to, to invest that much even in ourselves, but to invest that deeply into relationships. Um, I think what you're describing, Troy, it takes a lot of time and a lot of commitment. Yeah, it's And there true. seems to be a little, some uh, less value placed on that today. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, you're going to look at your schedule and you're going to say, I'm doing good because I've got all these work activities and personal growth activities and family activities yeah, there's not a lot of time this week for relationships and friendships, but hey, I, I'm busy and that's good. Would you say that we kind of have that perspective? Oh, yeah. We want to, I, I know I can fall into this. We want to check it off the box. Yeah, I met with this person, mm-hmm. but yet there's there's something for discipleship really to happen. It needs to be kind of a deeper connection. That you're, there's this understanding that I'm walking with you through this, you know, as life happens, unfolds, that yeah. that. Um, we're going to take this on together, whatever may come. Mm-hmm. So uh, on that note, I'd love to, to hear some examples. And you've been in ministry for a long time, and uh, you've been a, a believer for a long time. What are some examples you've had um, where uh, you have called to be, to disciple others? To disciple others? Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, how it started with me early on was someone came alongside me. And I didn't really know much. You know, I, I had some, some Bible background because I went to a Christian school, but mm-hmm. I didn't start walking with the Lord until my sophomore year of college. And so there was this guy named Shane that I ran into at Campus Crusade. And so um, with that, uh, he started to meet with me. And then he, we would just start getting into the Bible. Mm-hmm. And there were certain times that he would just encourage me to, to just practice the faith, to just live out my relationship with Jesus and encourage me just in practical ways. You know, hey, I need to be spending time in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I need to be, be praying. Um, he also wanted me to start using my gifts, figure out what are my gifts and start using them. So it was this real kind of life on life. But there, I remember distinctly there was this time 
This is where accountability comes in, mm-hmm. where you're, you have to be willing, I think, to ask some of the tough questions. I think of Jesus, how he asked some of the tough questions mm-hmm. for the disciples. Mm-hmm. He challenged them. And I remember um, I was smoking at the time, or at least to some degree. You know, I wasn't like, you know, maybe half a pack you're, a day. You're a young adult. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta find ways to rebel. In some yeah, way. right. Yeah, exactly. So I, I was smoking to some degree. And so uh, I really wanted to stop and I made some attempts to stop. And I wasn't like so hooked that it was like this grueling experience, but I just didn't want to totally let it go. And I remember the guy who was discipling me, he just kind of challenged me. And he was like, okay, you need to do this. And he was basically, I, I failed several times. I didn't really kind of stick with it. And he's like, I'm not going to be meeting with you anymore until you, until you figure this out. Wow. And I'll walk with you through it, but you need to be determined. And you know what? I think I, I threw that pack of cigarettes away and I never looked back. And mm. it was one of those things that God really set me free from it. But it, it, it took someone that kind of showing a little tough love as well, right. which is part of discipleship, asking yeah. the tough questions. Do you think that um, maybe in our culture that there's some pride that gets in the way from admitting that, that we someone can come alongside us and, and lead us and give insights in a way to that we could be better or that we have room to grow is it is it difficult to admit that you think yeah absolutely we we, we have this kind of american independence right like mm-hmm. i'm my own person i can do this you know why do i need someone else but there's really strength in admitting that we have need that that we need someone that's gone down this path before us and and so there's there's something where i need to um really look at my pride for me it's been pride yeah. Uh, allowing someone else in because here's the thing if i let someone else in you're going to see the good but you're going to see the not so good as well and that's part of discipleship right. you know because i think in our culture we, we would just we live in a, a presentation driven culture right like we want to put forward what we want people to receive from us and to see from us not maybe the real stuff behind the scenes yeah so that's where discipleship yeah. i think really flourishes when you're willing to kind of open up and say this is what's going on how can you help me walk through this yeah, together? Absolutely. I, th- I think there might even be some fear and anxiety that people have. Absolutely. That to, yeah. to, to let <laughs> no their secrets out or mm-hmm. their sins out. Mm-hmm. Maybe fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. And fear that this person is not going to accept them and um, no longer going to want to meet to them. And I think we hold those things in and uh, that is yeah. a barrier to growth. Yeah, there, there's a trust issue here as well. Maybe you've been burned by someone. You, you've opened up and mm-hmm. someone has misused that, you know, maybe even use it against you. And so sure. we have to trust the Lord for that, even if I have been burned. If you've been burned, I would ask that you trust Jesus with that. Be willing to trust again that God can give you what you need to be able to uh, be willing to be vulnerable yeah. and move forward. Um, but yeah, it can't be a scary thing for that's sure. Right. Uh, but that's where real growth takes place as well. Yeah, I like to think of it kind of like an investment. I mean, we say this all the mm-hmm. time, but you're only going to get what you put into it yeah and if you're not willing to go below surface Mm -hmm. level then don't expect there to be um deep growth in who you are as a christian if 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 you're afraid to go into those deep dark places yeah exactly i remember being challenged you know when i was being discipled kind of the early years in college um where i remember one guy that discipled me uh we actually went on campus i was like okay we're gonna go up to this person and start talking and have a spiritual conversation. We're going to at least try to engage a spiritual conversation. I remember going, what? Can you do that? Is that legal? You know? <laughs> and we're going up, and he kind of started the conversation, and then we ended up actually having a, a good conversation with this girl that was really pretty open talking about spiritual things. So the next time we walked up to someone else, um, my friend was like, okay, it's your turn. It's like, what? 
You know, so I started asking some questions, but I got to see it modeled. And I think right. that's discipleship as well, as you get to see it modeled by someone else, now you do it. And like Jesus clearly did that with disciples. Uh, they got to see him in action, and then it was like, okay, now it's your turn. Yeah, that's great. I think that even applies for, for the idea of, of sharing intimate, you know, aspects of your life. Mm. If you're mm-hmm. wanting to disciple someone, you should be willing to model that. Yeah. And be willing to enter for a conversation sure. where, where, you know, you're not holding back huge chunks of your core identity because you're afraid of how you'll be perceived, but instead you kind of jump yeah. in and, and share, even even though you're hoping to lead someone maybe, you're willing to share some of the ways in which that you fail and that you've uh, experienced growth or some of the things that you're still wrestling with and struggling with. And I think that um, the more often that you do that, the more likely the person will reciprocate. Yeah, I, it, discipleship is a two-way street. It can't just be one directional. It's not a one-way road. You have to right. be willing to be vulnerable. I totally agree with that. And what I've learned is that people can often relate more to my failures than they can right. my successes. Right. So when I'm vulnerable about my failures, then people go, oh, okay, I connect with that. If I talk about maybe some things that weren't really right and just talk about those, people are like, well, I can't totally relate to that yeah, you know, as well. That's great. So um, I, I think it has to be a two-way street. That's part of the deal. I love that. That's I think there might be people out there who are hesitant to enter into relationships where they disciple others because they mm. think they have to share an area in which they excel. Mm. But what you said, I think it's great. Like Maybe mm. all you have to do is just share the areas where you no longer completely fail at and that you've gotten to a level that's maintained, that you can maintain and see some growth. And, mm-hmm. and just share from there. Share mm-hmm. from the areas that you've overcome mm-hmm. some things, but you don't have it perfect, but you've been able to see growth. And I think that yeah. we hopefully all have some of those areas that we can it's share. It's part of the journey. Right. You know, and it's good for people to see that we're on this journey. And no matter where you are in your faith, we're always on a growth pattern, right? Like, it's, you never reach a point and go, okay, I'm done growing in this area in discipleship. Right. I, I'm always should be growing. I should always be moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about some examples of um, others that you've poured into and um, decided to step out in faith and, and enter into a relationship that you want to lead and disciple someone? Yeah, so I remember in college, the one of the guys discipled me. It was like, okay, Troy, now it's your turn, and I want you to disciple someone. So I started meeting with this guy. I asked him, hey, he was a couple years younger to younger than me in college, mm-hmm. and we had coffee together. And I remember just kind of asking him, are you, are you open to this? Are you willing? And he really was. And it was really fun because I was like, hey, this is a, kind of a new experience for me. I admit it, I didn't know, totally know what I was doing, but yeah. we were going to figure it out together. Uh, but as we got into God's Word, I just discovered that uh, as we're reading through, and it almost didn't matter where we were in the mm-hmm. Bible, like mm-hmm. God would use that. It almost felt like wherever we were was the perfect place or that time. And that's how timeless God's word is. And so as we're going through it, it's like all of a sudden real life applications are jumping out you know, off the page to us. Right. And I remember then uh, the next step was just asking some questions. Okay, what are you going to do about this? Mm-hmm. And I always try to just end our time yeah. with a clear challenge, just kind of throwing down a challenge. Okay, what are you going to do about it? It's one thing to talk about. It. It's one thing to theorize about scripture. You can even go into kind of the background of it, but really what it comes down to, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. So I try to throw it down like, okay, let's pick one thing. Let's not make this overcomplicated. Let's not do five steps here. Yeah. Next week, I'm going to ask you about this one area. Maybe that's a deeper prayer life. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's sharing your faith with someone, you know, a close friend or family. Maybe that's walking a path of purity in your relationship. Uh, whatever it is, it'd be one thing that we would talk about and say, we're going to talk about it next week. Yeah. And that's a big deal. Because I remember uh, that happened to me and going, oh, 
he's going to ask me that. And that would actually kind of help stir up, like, I need to just step this into mm-hmm. action and really trust God for this. I love that. It's, it's, it's about setting realistic goals. Yeah. One of my favorite books, uh, author John Acuff has a book called Finish, and he talks about to finish a goal, something you've set, one of the first steps you do is you make a goal and expectation, and then you cut it in half so that it's doable, so that it's attainable. Because he says that um, the more uh, completed goals you have under your belt, studies show the more likely you are to set and finish another goal. So I love that when you met with someone, even if you shared a lot of things, they downloaded a lot of areas in their life that they want to see growth, you just ended by saying, now what's the one way in that which this over this next week, you can see some improvement. Yeah. Things aren't going to change overnight. Your life's not going to get immediately better. You're not going to feel super connected to God versus the previous week, but you might be able to improve in one small area. And I think yeah. that's the kind of growth that is the discipleship expectation, that long, um, kind of slow, long-term growth. Yeah, we're, we're looking at the long game. Right. You know, if you look back over the years, it's fun when I've met with people, even over six months or a year, a couple years, uh, week to week, you might not see a huge growth change. But you look back over the last couple of years, it's like, look what God did. And usually that person, and I know at one time I was really like that as well. It's like, man, this is crazy to see what God did. I don't, did. I don't think I noticed it yeah. in the day-to-day life. Yeah. And it's fun to have someone else help point that out. Have you noticed what God has done? The the, the distance that, that you've gone in this is really neat. I love that. What about, um, we, we talk a lot about being open to opportunities of discipleship. And I think sometimes those opportunities might even be unexpected. Mm. Do you have any examples of, of a time in which maybe someone wanted to meet and next thing you know it's turning into an ongoing discipleship relationship or, or something that kind of completely caught off guard that you didn't see this open door that God had for you, whether to disciple someone or enter into a discipleship relationship with somebody else that God had waiting for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's times I put preconditions on this. Be like, okay, I can disciple this type of person or this type of demographic or similar in age or maybe a little younger. And I found that God has put different people in my life, uh, sometimes that are even that are older or significantly older, but yet are newer in the faith or need to be challenged maybe in a certain area mm-hmm. that I feel like is maybe a strength of mine. And so uh, I try not to put those limits on it anymore. But one time I did. I was like, okay, there's a criteria. It's got to look like this. And I realized I just need to let go of that mm. and be open to how the Spirit wants to lead in matching that up. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I, I did a youth ministry for almost 14 years, and something that I learned probably way too late is that Obviously, you can see the discipleship to opportunities in youth ministry are endless, and it seems like. But not not every you're not called to disciple every student. But I often saw when a student wanted to meet and talk about one situation in their life, more often than not, that turned into the ongoing discipleship. Like, hey, I just want to chat about one thing. I'm struggling with this decision. You know, teenager. So it's like relationship stuff or parent stuff. But it, it ends up kind of uncovering some of these core identity concepts with their faith. And... More often than not, I was able to easily turn those into opportunities of like, hey, let's meet again. That was really good. Let's meet again and let's pray. And and then they come again. Let's meet again. I think even for us in the discipling other adults, um, you might have opportunities in the past or maybe they'll come in the next couple of weeks where someone just wants to meet once to talk about something. Mm -hmm. Maybe in their life group and they're like, hey, let's grab coffee and just I got some stuff going on at work that I'd love to download. And if they are willing to, to have that kind of conversation, I'm sure they're more willing to continue to meet mm-hmm. and and continue to, to it'll maybe it'll start with three or four conversations about work and then that might lead into conversations about faith and about things that they're struggling with 
Yeah, and again, I try to have a loose grip on this as well. And sometimes people have expectations. Once I start a discipleship relationship, it has to be forever. Yeah. That's clearly not the case. Yeah. I look back at my life. I had different people that poured into me for seasons. It really was for seasons. It may be a year or a couple years. But I feel like God had that person in my life for that season to glean something very particular or special yeah. that God used that time. Um, so kind of remove the pressure from it. And yeah. even sometimes, uh, there are times I've been meeting with someone, and then all of a sudden, a couple months later, I'm like, wow, I think this person's discipling me. Uh-huh. And I don't think that, that was my intention to begin with yeah. anyways. But I believe God will do that if you're open to it. Yeah, I, I agree totally. And I think even if someone's like, I don't know how long this is going to take, I think you could even say, hey, let's just meet six times. When someone's like, do yeah. I have the time to do this? Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure. And you're... And you're sensing some hesitation, you go, let's just meet six times and see yeah. how it goes, you know, make that commitment. Right. And then they can commit to that because it's going to take some calendar schedule juggling, you know. Yeah. I think if they can commit to six times, that could be it, it or it could go longer. Yeah, it takes the pressure off too if you right. do that. And it's right. like, okay, let's meet these six times and then see what God does. A lot of times that will turn into something else. But if it doesn't, no harm, no foul. Yeah. Like it's great. okay. Yeah. So uh, before we end, I'd love to ask uh, another question and get your perspective. You lead a lot of our our global outreach here at the church, and you spend a lot of time overseas. I'd love to learn from you, what can we glean from other cultures and the way they do discipleship? And how is it different than the way that we might be used to doing discipleship? And how can we use some of those uh, differences to to help us grow? Yeah, it's interesting. Outside of... Um, maybe more developed cultures, you know, like the U.S. or Europe or other places like that. Outside, it seems like um, time is not so much an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, here we're kind of like, okay, I got 20 minutes, you know, go. Yeah. You know, and you try to fit as much as, in, as you can. Or, I, you know, I fall in this trap. I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, okay, you know, we got to start winding this down. But I found in other cultures, time is just not so much issue. Priority is given to relationship. Mm. And that's something um, I really try to glean from when I'm in other cultures. That yeah. uh, it's always it was interesting to me. One of the first mission trips I went to, uh, I took a bunch of youth to uh, Southeast Asia and was there at this restaurant. And it turned into like this three-hour meal. Yeah. And I remember being amazed that the the waiter wasn't itching to get us moved on or or give us a bill. The waiter was just sitting there watching TV in the back room and would never come and bring us a bill until we asked for it because he didn't want to interfere with the relationship yeah. at the time that we had together. And so you really see that as being... Um, some of the time is just being set aside like, hey, we're just going to spend time together. And in the midst of that time, we believe God will use it. Mm. So I think we can really use from, uh, grow and, and learn from just that idea of allowing it be more organic, not be so time-driven. Yeah, I think we could even see that in the cultural context of the Bible was written. Just yes, kind of like, absolutely. hey, come and follow me. And they're like, well, you know, obviously it's Jesus who said that to the disciples, but... People who would just spend whole days with figures in the Bible, you know, that they didn't have that plan to spend a whole day with someone. You, you, you look at how time was just embedded in the discipleship process with Jesus, with his disciples. They would go from, from one community to another, one village or one city to another. They're just walking along. 
uh, well, they need to eat. Okay, someone has to go get some food and it's kind of a group project. Someone, you know, has to get a fire going. It was just time was just uh, incorporated in part of the process. Yeah. Whereas just, uh, there was just more relationship time, you know, built into what they were doing. And so we just live in such a different culture where we get sound bites yeah. instead of kind of this longer time. And I found that if I'm willing to just slow down hmm. and kind of set my, my agenda aside, uh, even my, my watch aside at times, mm-hmm. uh, God really uses that. I think mm. we can really grow from that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really good. I think that kind of goes against our culture in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Especially this kind of like, I do what I want to do. I protect my time because I'm so busy otherwise. I definitely mm-hmm. can't invest in other people. Yeah, I, I live in appointments and I want to change that mentality, you know, yeah. of, of, oh, I, I had my appointment, yeah. you know, discipleship, you know, scheduled meeting, you know, yeah. check. And so um, I don't think Jesus saw it as checking off a box at all. Right. His goal was raising up this next generation because he's going to leave, right? You know, he had had three-ish years with his disciples and then he left and it was it was yeah. all on them. So it was uttermost importance for him to pass it on. And it should be for us as well. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think a very 2019 way to look at that is how often are we spending time maybe texting our friends and calling our friends or even are we just scrolling through social media or are we looking for posts from our friends and, and relationship we have that, that we could comment on and encourage them mm. or or even use that to when you meet with them, like, hey, you know, I saw that you, you know, I had a really rough week last week. You mentioned needing prayer for your family. Mm. I'd love to talk more about that. You know, and it seems funny that we would use social media to disciple others, but that's a better time than just using social media to waste time. Well, yeah, use the technology that you have. Yeah. We have this technology. Let's use it. Let's leverage it for the kingdom. Let's leverage it for growth. That's a good reminder is that we can use this to send send an encouraging verse or encouraging, you know, a little message or just kind of, hey, let them know I'm praying for you. Uh, I love texts like that. Yeah. If I get that or I get some kind of social media update like it just it warms my heart and encourages me on yeah yeah absolutely just this week a close friend of mine uh, instagram messaged me that he needed prayer because he's in ministry and there's lots of really tough stuff going on and he's experiencing some depression and there was even some guilt that i hadn't like you know been texting back and forth over these weeks but he still used that opportunity to let me know that he needs prayer and i i said hey we'd love to get together for right. dinner and talk and pray about that so mm. you know that was an opportunity that happened through technology and, yeah. and hopefully that'll turn into and to an opportunity to, to dig into those relationships. Yeah, right on. Yeah, well, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate all you could share with us about discipleship. I'd love to hear from people, uh, some of their experiences Ooh, that, that yeah. they maybe had. We've been doing, that's right, we've been doing the discipleship project for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks now. And um, there might be some of you out there that have reached out and you may took that effort to ask someone to, to meet with you that's either hey, I need to be discipled or I'd like to, to pour into you and invest mm-hmm. in you. Um, maybe those are going great. Maybe you tried it and someone's like, ah, I don't know if I have time to do that. But we want to hear that. We want to hear how it's going and what yeah. you've been experiencing so far. So when we drop this podcast, I'm going to put a question on the LBF Church Facebook group and, and hopefully that you'll engage in that and, and answer any questions. Again, thank you so much, Troy, for being with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. We're all in this together. We're all called to be a part of this. That's right. See you Sunday. Okay.